Where am I? Good morning. I'm Judith Lay, welcoming you to Praise, the program that connects faith and daily life. Welcome to our first programme in a new decade. I hope it's not too late to wish you a very happy new year. Today the Christian Church celebrates the Epiphany, when we remember the journey of the kings, the wise men, the magi, who followed a star to find the infant Jesus and give him their mysterious gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, 
He asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. David Suchet, reading there from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, the only place in the Bible where we find any mention of the wise men. But that reading doesn't actually give us a great many facts about the Magi. And over the years, other translations have called them wise men and, as in the Christmas carol, the three kings. Although the Bible doesn't actually say how many men there were. Other translations, like the one we've just heard, call them Magi, which suggests that they could have been Persian priests who, as part of their religion, paid particular attention to the stars and gained an international reputation for astrology, which was at that time highly regarded as a science. That there were just three Magi is also only really a guess, based on the knowledge that they brought with them three gifts. There may have been more than three, and they almost certainly would have been wealthy and had servants with them. These were men of great learning, and because of this would have been held in high esteem, not only in their own society, but by people from other countries and from other religions. To make our traditional Christmas story complete, we show the Magi bringing their gifts to Jesus just a short time after his birth, soon after the arrival of the angels and the shepherds. But in reality, Jesus was probably about two years old when the Magi visited him. But the three gifts, symbols of the importance of Jesus' birth, isn't in dispute. Gold representing his royal standing, his divine kingship. Frankincense, a type of incense burned during church services, representing his divinity and the fact that people would come to worship him. And myrrh, traditionally used to anoint the body of a dead person, representing Jesus' mortality, that despite him being the Son of God, he would die a human death. The word epiphany comes from the Greek and means manifestation. 
this day celebrates the revelation of the Son of God as human in Jesus Christ. Star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. That's the refrain of that popular carol. But did those magi from the east really follow something special that they saw in the sky? Who better to ask than Manx Radio's resident astronomer, Howard Parkin? We don't know a lot, as you say, it only appears in Matthew. But something happened. No matter what your religious faith is, or not as the case may be, something happened 2,000 years ago. We know something happened. All the books, all the references, all the different religions, all point to something happening momentous 2,000 years ago. And one of them talks about this star, this apparition in the sky. And astronomers have been for years working out what this might have been. We all accept something was visible. Just what was it? Was it a celestial miracle? Was it a one-off that God did and put in the sky? That is one theory you've got to accept is a possibility. But then if we look back historically, which we can do now, just the wonders of computer sciences and all the rest, we can look back at all sorts of things. What we know is the wise men saw it in the east. We don't know whether they saw it in the eastern sky or they were in the east and they saw it. Most interpretations are they were in the east and they saw something. The natural phenomena is that you'll see something in the sky and it will slowly travel across and set in the west. So automatically it follows that it will go in a westerly direction. So whatever it was they saw of an astronomical nature, they saw it in the east and it set in the west. So it inspired them to follow it. What was it? 2,000 years ago, no books, no TV, no internet. The only thing they had that they could look at and wonder, that they could make up stories about or make up legends about, was the sky. And that's why the constellations, the mythology of the constellations came about. So, very familiar with the sky back in the Middle East there. They, intelligent people, very familiar with the unchanging nature, the seasonal nature that the sky changes on a seasonal nature. They saw something that was so unusual. Now, what was it? It could have been eclipses and comets. Those tend to be dismissed because historically they don't seem to work. They don't fit the dates. We know Jesus was actually born, we think about 4 BC. The actual date has got lost in the changing of the Gregorian calendar and all that sort of stuff. So we know he was born sometime before 4 BC which immediately rules out one of the things it could have been, which was a conjunction between the planets Venus and Jupiter, which occurred in 3 BC. So we know that couldn't have been it, which is one of the most popular theories of what it might have been, but unfortunately it fails because Herod died in 3 BC. My personal view is, and I've researched this over the years, is it was what we call a triple conjunction. And what happened is the planets Jupiter and Saturn came together, not once, not twice, but three times in relatively quick succession. The planets come round in the sky on an annual basis. They, they transit the sky as we go around the sun. We see the planets in different positions. But these triple transits only occur every 900 years. So well beyond a human lifetime. So therefore, if they saw this once, what's that? That's unusual. Hang on, it's doing it again. Hang on, it did it a third time. And that 
consequence of those three actions or those three viewings inspired them to realize something was going on in the west which was the direction it was setting so that's why they headed west and then we had a supernova erupt in the constellation aquila and i think the supernova in the constellation aquila was the actual star of bethlehem but the triple conjunction is what led them to it the coming of this Messiah was being prophesied. Isaiah was writing 700 That's years right. before the birth of Jesus. And of course, it's not just the Christian faith. Muslims believe that Jesus was a prophet that came before Allah. Again, it was predicted and their prophets throughout history. We talked about Isaiah a moment ago. These prophets, these very learned people who've got something to say about what's going to happen in the future or are very revered in, at that particular time, it fits across the the whole religious spectrum, if you like. There's a broad acceptance something happened 2,000 years ago. And Chris Hadfield, the Canadian astronaut who went into space not that long ago, and he is a, a Christian, and he has said he spent over six months in space, orbiting the Earth thousands of times, and he says his faith was absolutely reinforced by his time in the cosmos. The world, he says, when you look at it, just can't be random. I mean, it's so different than the vast emptiness of everything else and even the other planets we've seen, at least in our solar system, none of them remotely resemble this precious life-giving nature of our own planet. And that's from a, a man of faith who's been into space. Do you ever look up in the sky and just feel that it strengthens your personal faith? Do you feel that a little bit Definitely. closer to God? The sky obviously is very inspirational and makes you feel very much part of a massive universe. But I would take that to the other extreme. The veins of a leaf or a little tiny baby's fingernail. When you look at the marvels of nature, I'm talking about nature now, not just astronomy, but when we look at the, the world, the universe and everything within it, the counter to faith is chaos theory. And as you've just heard from my quote from Chris Hadfield, it can't be. There's got to have been a creator. And that's where your faith starts. No matter what your faith is, what your particular faith is, the creation theory. There's no other explanation that scientists can come up with. And when you look into science and you look at it, people are often surprised that astronomy and religion seem to go together. But if you look into it, you'd be amazed how many astronomers are religious. But I'd like to leave you with this last quote. A lot of people have heard about Heisenberg. Heisenberg is famously the guy who came up with the uncertainty principle. And if you want to look up Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, it makes fascinating reading. It's, it's really complicated. But he was a man of faith, a very religious scientist. And he made this quote, The first gulp from the glass of natural scientist will turn you into an atheist. But at the bottom of the glass, God is waiting for you. Greetings from Persian lands afar To Jordan follow the pointing star And this the quest of the travelers three Where the newborn king of the Jews may be Full royal gifts they bear for the king, gold, incense, myrrh are their offering. The star shines out with a steadfast ray. The kings to Bethlehem make their way. And then in worship they bend the They show to the king gold in 
of Litchfield and Coventry cathedrals there with soloist Michael George and another setting of The Three Kings, this time by Peter Cornelius. And my thanks to Howard Parkin for an astronomer's view of what the Magi saw and followed to find the infant Jesus. Over the years, the journey of the kings has inspired much poetry. Charles Williams, a contemporary of C.S. Lewis, adds much imaginative detail to his poem, which, in more recent years, was set to music by Kevin Stannard. Here's Anne Clark with the poem and vocalise with the musical setting. Kings came riding, one, two and three, over the desert and over the sea, one in a ship with a silver mast. The fisherman wondered as he went past. One on a horse with a saddle of gold, the children came running to behold. One came walking over the sand, with a casket of treasure held in his hand. All the people said, where go they? But the kings went forward all through the day. Night came on as those kings went by, they shone like the gleaming stars in the sky. Oh, this is 
In some countries, today, not Christmas Day, is the time when presents are opened. In other countries, gifts are exchanged at Christmas, but Epiphany is the time for the parties, and special cakes are eaten today. And it's hardly surprising, because today celebrates the fact that God became human, not just for a select group of people, but for everyone, and lives among us because he loves everyone and wants to journey with us in every aspect of our life on earth, and on to the everlasting life he calls us all to share with him. The writer T.S. Eliot, whose Christian faith was a source of great strength to him in difficult times, also wrote about the coming of the Magi. He wrote from the viewpoint of one king reflecting afterwards on the journey and the impossibility of returning to his old life, his old ways, having found Jesus. The Journey of the Magi by T.S. Eliot A cold coming we had of it just the worst time of the year for a journey, and such a long journey, the ways deep and the weather sharp, the very dead of winter, and the camel's galled, sore-footed, refractory, lying down in the melted snow. There were times we regretted the summer palaces on slopes, the terraces, and the silken girls bringing sherbet. Then the camel men cursing and grumbling and running away and wanting their liquor and women and the night fires going out and the lack of shelters and the cities hostile and the towns unfriendly and the villages dirty and charging high prices. A hard time we had of it. At the end, we preferred to travel all night, sleeping in snatches, with the voices singing in our ears saying that this was all folly. Then at dawn we came down to a temperate valley, wet, below the snow line, smelling of vegetation, with a running stream and a water mill beating the darkness, and three trees on the low sky, and an old white horse galloped away in the meadow. Then we came to a tavern with vine leaves over the lintel, Six hands at an open door, dicing for pieces of silver, and feet kicking the empty wineskins. But there was no information, and so we continued, and arrived at evening, not a moment too soon. Finding the place, it was, you may say, satisfactory. All this was a long time ago, I remember, and I would do it again. But set down this, set down this. Were we led all that way for birth or death? There was a birth, certainly. We had evidence and no doubt. I had seen birth and death, but had thought they were different. This birth was hard and bitter agony for us, like death, our death. We return to our places, these kingdoms, but no longer at ease here in the old dispensation, with an alien people clutching their gods. I should be glad of another death.
Today's Bible reading, music and verses remind us over again of the gift which is at the heart of Christmas that has nothing to do with decorations, parties and presents. God is with us, every single one of us, yesterday, today and always. And we end today with the first part of a new series. It's Praise on Pilgrimage, and every few weeks there'll be an interview either with someone sharing thoughts and experiences following their pilgrimage to the Holy Land in November last year, or with one of the people that we met while we were there. This morning we meet Very Reverend Richard Sewell, a canon of St George's Anglican Cathedral in Jerusalem, who is also Dean of St George's College, which is close to the cathedral and is a centre for pilgrimage, education, hospitality and reconciliation. I met the Dean as he was welcoming everyone coming into the cathedral for the main Sunday service of Holy Communion. I asked him if a church in Jerusalem, by its very location, has to be all things to all people. We've got to be able to connect with everybody and we are a real focal point, a sort of crossroads for the Anglican communion and for the world. We've just had an Anglican group from Hong Kong and now we've got your group and we never know from one week to the next which country is going to be most uh, strongly represented. And in the end, it's a simple job. We just simply proclaim Christ crucified, and that's the universal message for everybody. Jerusalem draws people because it's a place of such importance in in history and in contemporary global politics, and because people hear of the things of great beauty here. It's the, the focal point of faith for Jews and Christians and Muslims, and for seekers of every faith and none. And even if people have no religious faith whatsoever, this land can still speak to people. Although it also speaks of sadness and division and brokenness, there is a lot of pain here because of the history between Palestinians and Israelis. And we live in the midst of that division and conflict too, but always trying to build bridges of peace and reconciliation and to draw people together as well as we can in the power of the Spirit. The local church here, the Anglican church, is a Palestinian church in that the leadership, the clergy are all Palestinian, but we're here for everybody. We have Jewish believers, Messianic believers who are part of our churches and congregations, even though a very small number, and we seek to be a focal point and a a source of peace and hope for everybody, but we have no plan for peace. We have to wait for that to unfold in God's time and when people's hearts are ready to turn away and to turn towards hope and peace. That was the Very Reverend Richard Sewell, a canon of St George's Anglican Cathedral in Jerusalem, and there'll be more praise on pilgrimage in the coming weeks.
Thank you for listening to this week's Praise Podcast. There's a new Praise Podcast available every Sunday morning. You can subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify via the Manx Radio smartphone app or at manxradio.com. So, till we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for your company and as we launch out into a new decade, I wish you and those you love times of true blessing, peace and contentment. The Nation Station makes ra-